Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Clear Vista Financial are not affiliated. Discussions in the show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Well, today we want to talk about spending life well. You might have already noticed that's the name of our podcast, but it's definitely a, a theme that we try to carry on through all of the different topics that we might cover. Whatever you're going through today, whatever you're facing in your life, it's sometimes hard to feel like you're on top of what you may consider your financial priorities. It may be hard to think about feeling what's called financial security. But today we want to bring a nine-step process out to you today just to kind of help you find something called financial balance. I'm going to go through a nine-step process here. Hopefully this is helpful. Mark, let's jump in. All right, Matt. Thanks for explaining what Spend Life Well meant because I was thinking that I might have had a fever or something. <laughs> so, Matt, uh, what's the secret to being having financial wellness? A secret. A lot, yeah, a lot of people ask us about that, and it's really simple. And when, when you listen to this podcast today, you may say, duh. I, I know that, but the reality is a lot of us don't follow these simple steps. And so we're going to go through these steps today. Can I give you an idea? It doesn't matter where you are on the continuum of financial wellness. You may have a decent 401k, but a mountain of consumer debt. You may be house rich with a big mortgage, but cash poor. You might even be able to make a repair or upkeep of your car. You may make a decent wage, but you're continually baffled about where all your money goes at, by the end of the month. So are you saying we all don't need to look exactly like each other? No. Everyone is, is different. Everyone is unique, as we tell people on some of our seminars we do. Your situation is unique. Um, but the reason that we wanted to talk about this topic today is because, sadly, many people, and we've heard surveys before, many people are only one or two paychecks away from a real financial crisis. So let's jump right in to spend life well. Uh, Matt, what's first the first step? Your financial snapshot. Yeah. And, and, and the financial snapshot is, snapshot is real important. And it's probably the easiest thing to do, but we have a lot of trouble getting people to do it. And that's just simply knowing where you stand financially. And, and we go about this in an easy way. We just want to know what you spend every month. It's that simple. You know, we sometimes tell people when we're doing some of our live workshops that you just need to write it down. Matt, can you repeat that? Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. It's that easy. You need to write down every dollar that you spend. Now, for some of us, that's real easy. We'll just simply print out a copy of our monthly bank statement or a monthly credit card or debit card statement, and we categorize the things that we spend money on like your rent or mortgage or groceries. Maybe it's gas for the car. But I know I'm guilty of spending a lot of cash. And Matt, how many times do you go to the ATM every month? Not very often. Okay, you're kind of odd. <laughs> you know, some of us will go to the ATM or go to the bank and get some cash, right? You want to have a little cash in your wallet. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Matt, you're more modern. You, you only use debit cards and credit cards. I hardly cards. ever carry cash, debit and credit cards. All right, everybody, for you, those are listening, don't try to jump Matt in the dark alley because he doesn't have any money. Nope, one piece of plastic. Okay. 
Well, anyway, some of us tend to have cash, and I don't know about, about you all out there, but I might have $20 in my wallet on Monday, and on Friday I've got two, and I can't tell you where it went. Now, I've got a good idea. It probably went to Whataburger or someplace like that, but the reality is I don't know where it went. I need to write it down. When I spend money, I need to write it down. So there's a lot of different different examples of this, but you, we, we don't care where you spend your money. It's your money. Matt, do you care where, where the listeners spend their money? No. No, it's, it's their money. You can spend it wherever you want. If you want to go to Starbucks five times a day, knock yourself out. Um, that's your money. But when you begin to write it down and you start looking at what you're spending every month, there might be some surprises. Matt, have you ever had anything when you wrote it down, any surprises in your budget? Oh, yeah, all the time, especially when my wife keeps track of everything she's spending. You're saying that she's keeping up track of what you're spending and she has something to say about it? or <laughs> No, I'm talking about monitoring what she's spending. Oh, okay. So you all do this at your house? Together, yes. Okay, together. So it's an it's a, it's a exercise in love, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. There are some ground rules when we're talking about money, but... I, but you know, you'd be amazed. I know that many years ago, uh, my wife and I decided we, we did this exercise because we were trying to get out of debt, and there were just some things we didn't even know we were spending money on, what, like that subscription to the magazine that hadn't come to us because we had moved three times since since we subscribed for it, uh, that magazine. And, and there's other things as well. So if you write down your expenses, and I mean write down and print out your statement, whatever, and examine them every month, there may be some patterns and things that you will see. Matt, we had a, we had a, uh, we were doing this exercise with some folks in a class one time, and, and uh, we had a, a gentleman that was trying to get out of debt. He also had the challenge of having to deal with the IRS garnishing his wages from his job. And so we needed to find every penny we could find to help him deal with this situation. And we ask this question often sometimes when we're, or many times when we're talking to clients. And, and, and I know you too, you do too, Matt, but, you know, have you ever asked them, hey, what do you spend every month? Oh, yeah. And, and what's kind of the, the look that they have? First, it's a deer in headlights look. That's right. It's a deer in headlights. And then they start accessing the, the deep recesses of their cerebral uh, regions and they look up and to the left because they're trying to be creative about what it is they're spending. I'm sure there's a psychological diagnosis for this, <laughs> but they don't know. And then they go through a laundry list of things, and this is typically what happens. They go through a laundry list of things, and they say, well, uh, our mortgage is $1,000 a month. The car payment's $500 a month. And they go through a laundry list of things, and they invariably leave out stuff, right? And most of the time, you know what the number one thing they, they tend to leave out when they're making their mental laundry list? What's that? Food. Mm, they forgot yeah, to we eat. Yeah, we all eat. Yeah, we, we got to eat. But anyway, so go back to our to our story with this fellow who's trying to get out, out of debt and deal with the IRS at the same time. He came back after tracking his expenses for a month or so, and, and we just asked him. I'll, I'll call him Joe for to protect his identity. But we said, Joe, d- did you notice anything about your spending plan that uh, surprised you? And he goes, yeah, I spend about $250 a month on Dr. Pepper. Now, you might have said, what? 
and we did too, but we had to say it silently because as financial advisors, we're not here to judge what you spend your money on. But $250 a month on Dr. Pepper is a quite a bit of money, wouldn't you say? Definitely. So uh, we said, okay, Joe, you, sp- you clearly like Dr. Pepper. How are you spending that much money? Well, he tells a story that, you know, he leaves for work and he stops by the 7-Eleven or whatever convenience store he's nearby, and he buys two 20-ounce Dr. Peppers. And then on lunch break, he comes out and goes, stops by another convenience store and buys another two 20-ounce Dr. Peppers. And then on the way home, he gets another 20-ounce Dr. Pepper to, for, I guess it's his nightcap or something, right? The man clearly loved Dr. Pepper, but he didn't understand the concept of peppering up at 10, 2, and 4. So we said, are you going to stop drinking Dr. Pepper? And he said, no. He said, I'm, I'm going to change the way I buy the Dr. Pepper. And all he did was, he didn't change his drinking habit. <laughs> I know Dr. Pepper is a, is a delicious drink, uh, but it, it was his drinking habit. Instead of going to the convenience store every day and spending upwards of, of 12 to $15 a day on 20-ounce drink, he was going to buy them at the grocery store or maybe, uh, you know, a uh, uh, a warehouse store like a Sam's or Costco or something. And he was able to cut that down to a hundred bucks a month. He was still consuming the same amount of Dr. Pepper. Okay. So you gotta, you gotta know where you stand. You gotta go in and, and really evaluate what it is that you're spending so that we can go on to step two, which is, what is that, Matt? Creating a spending plan. All right. Right. Now, is that just a fancy way to say budget? Sort of. Budget, though, is a bad word, I think. Mm-hmm. Budget, to me, says where I can't spend money. It limits me. A spending plan is where I take control of my money. I tell my money where to go. All right? It is not the other way around where it's constricting me. So I try to put a positive spin on this because nobody likes budgets, right? Right. Um, we try to put a positive spin on this and call it a spending plan. So you can call it whatever you want. But the point is, at the beginning of the month, you know so much money is going to come in uh, through your job. Or if you're working on commission, you can look at your uh, uh, average draw or whatever and, and come up with a, uh, the dollars available for your spending plan. So you're basically telling your money at the beginning of the month to say, I'm going to spend my money here. And you get to decide. It's your money. But you need to know where every dollar is going. If you don't, then you're not going to have a f- solid financial base. What's step three? Save $1,000 for emergencies. Yeah. Has anybody had Murphy m- move into their spare bedroom? <laughs> you know, I'm talking about Murphy's Law. You know, if a bad thing can happen, it will. Folks, I, I heard a stat the other day that uh, over 80% of Americans could not handle a $400 emergency, $400. That's a bad situation to be in. That means we're living paycheck to paycheck. And if we have a kid break an arm and have to go to the emergency room, that's going to wipe us out and put us in financial peril. So we need to save $1,000 for emergencies. Uh, That's just the, the step that we like to take to make sure that you don't get yourself into a bigger hole uh, than you have to. Set aside $1,000. That will help take care of most every short-term emergency that you have. You know, you can't buy a new AC unit for $1,000, but you can make a, a pretty basic car repair or buy some new tires. Uh, so those things are $1,000 is to help you for emergencies. Now, um, 
there's a big sporting event coming up, and uh, buying a new 80-inch plasma screen TV is not an emergency. I'll say that, Matt. What if the other TV broke? Still not an emergency. <laughs> you can go to a restaurant, go knock on your next-door neighbors. Not an emergency. All right. Step four. Eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. Well, you know, we live in a world that encourages to, to rack up debt because we deserve everything we want right now and uh, right then. But we think you should eliminate your debt. We encourage you, after you've saved $1,000 for emergencies, you need to start paying down those revolving credit card debts. Um, and we'll, we'll cover this in a, in a future podcast episode, but think about it. If, you, if you're paying 22% interest on an uh, unsecure credit card balance and you pay it off, you just gave yourself a 22% return. Now, the market was really great last year, but that doesn't happen all the time. You just paid yourself 22% by paying off that debt. That's a great return on investment. Imagine if you just had $7,500 of credit card debt, paying just the minimums at 22% annual percentage rate would take you nearly five years and more than $4,500 in interest. Wow. It's a lot. That is a lot. And it's like you're taking money from yourself. Um, speaking of, of big TVs, Matt, are you thinking about getting a TV for the Super Bowl? No, not at all. You're not? No. But would you go into the electronic store if, if you needed one? You know, if it was a true emergency, if your TV went out, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I'd go look you at fa- them. You failed the test. <laughs> you failed the test because this is that's not an emergency. But anyway, what if you were buying a new TV? It's not an emergency. You just want a new TV. Uh-huh. All right? And would you go into the to the electronic store and pay sixty percent more for that TV just by, because you want to use your credit card? No. Yeah, no way you would do that. But that's what you're doing when you finance everyday purchases with a credit card. You're paying more for the same things that you could pay cash with, or use your debit card to pay with, and not get a lot of interest racked up, which takes away from your wealth. Mm-hmm. So after that, we're going to talk about saving six to nine months of essential living expenses. All right, that's step five. That's that's after you've saved a thousand dollars for emergencies. You've you've paid off your revolving uh, credit card debt, and I mean credit cards, vehicles. Uh, we'll get to a mortgage later on, but you need to save six to nine months of essential living expenses. Now, I would even uh, expand that, Matt, because depending on the type of job you have. Yeah. You know, if you lost that job, you may may it may take you longer than nine months to find a suitable replacement job. And you got to deal with different career, different salaries are more predictable than others. If it's commission based, it might go up and down throughout the year. So you might need more than six months of exactly. Of so this is just kind of a rule of thought, right? Um, at least six months of living expenses. Now that's to basically build up the emergency fund that we did earlier with a thousand dollars. So once you get the credit cards paid off, you use that same money that you're using to pay off the credit cards, and you build up that six months of essential living expenses. This will give you that solid foundation that will weather you through any storm and allow you to not go back into debt, all right? So that's really important, Matt. 
And after that foundation you're talking about, you can start thinking ahead to step number six, which is beginning to save for retirement. Yeah, I know. When I when I got out of college, I had a goal. I wanted to retire by the time I was 40. How'd that go? Um, I'm still working on it, <laughs> uh, meaning that I'm beyond 40 and I haven't retired. So, yes, after you've saved up those six months of essential living expenses, uh, you need to save for retirement. If you have a workplace retirement plan, that's probably a great place to start. You probably need to work with a financial advisor, though, because you need to, to talk to someone that has a good approach to financial planning to determine what is the optimal saving goal for you. I have We, we meet people all the time, Matt, that, that have no idea. They're just saving money for the sake of saving money. And that's not a good goal. You have to have a purpose for that. And you need to talk to a financial advisor who will talk about your needs, talk about your goals, and help you design a plan for what you need to save every month to prepare for retirement. Yeah. Talk about the proper places to save for those goals. Exactly. Because, you know, some people, a lot of people don't pay attention to where they're putting their money. And we, we know this is a podcast about our values and and, and things and, and there may be things you want to talk about with a financial advisor say hey uh, these things are important to me I want to make sure that my money is is invested in things that are aligned with the values and beliefs that I have yeah. and I, once you bring that aspect to your savings you know we're not going to get into it now but we talk about just automate your savings and you have that certain amount going into that savings for their retirement if you have kids it might be time to start looking at saving for college and that would be number step seven yeah, both you and I have uh, a couple of sixteen-year-olds, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to go to college. Have you have you bothered to look yet? How much it costs? I'm no, I'm yeah, scared it, to. It's expensive. I have an idea, but and it's I, only going up every year. Yeah, uh, rapidly, and and I'm not counting on uh, uh, some politician coming in and saying they're going to pay for college for everyone. Uh, that's not the way it should be, personally, but. Um, we need to prepare for those college education expenses. Um, You know, we put these down the line because we we don't want you saving for your kid's education before you start saving for your own retirement and before you start taking care and getting out of debt. We see far too many people that have a ton of student loan debt or maybe they got a huge mortgage and three cars and they're mortgaged to the hilt. They owe a lot of money to a lot of people, and they come in and, and they want to save for little Johnny's retirement. I mean, excuse me, to college, right? Yeah, right. And I always ask them, okay, are you counting on little Johnny to take care of you in your old age? And, you know, we get a, well, a befuddled look. And it's like, what do you mean? I, I, I don't want Johnny taking care of me. And later on, you'll probably figure out that Johnny just can't take care of you. But but we don't want that for our children. So why is it that we do that? Matt, do you have any ideas? Priorities out of place. Priorities are out of place, but but we also have natural tendencies that we want to better our children, but this is not the way to do it. Because remember, our kids are going to learn about money by watching what we do. And so we want to start preparing for college education expenses after we be- have taken out care of our debt and we begin to save for retirement. That is the priority. You don't want to financially burden your children as they're young adults to care for your um, yourself. Um, you know, worse yet, you don't want to gamble that they could actually help you and afford to help you. So 
college preparation is down the line. Yeah. So many, too many people believe that college is a right. And, and okay, in America we kind of feel that way. But really, uh, college is a privilege, and there's lots of ways to pay for college, and we're going to certainly gonna have some podcasts on that in the future. Well, and I think that's why it's this far down the road as it is. It's, it's not a priority to retirement savings. It's not a priority to paying off debt. So it comes a point where when you get this far in your uh, financial planning, that the, if the option is there and you have the cash flow to do it, then it can become that high as, of importance. What's the next step? Next step, step number eight is paying off your home mortgage. Okay, here's where we get to it. So we, we've, we've gotten out of our consumer debt. We've saved uh, you know, six to nine months of li- essential living expenses. We began to save for, for retirement. We've got uh, little Johnny and little Susie's college fund on, on its way, and we still have a little excess money. Let's pay off our mortgage. That's a great goal. I can't tell you how many folks that, that near retirement, and they get to say that they are uh, mortgage debt-free, and it's an awesome feeling for that. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about having a mortgage. I can't tell you how many times, and I, I, I don't know where this is. This has been spread around. It's like one of those internet rumors, but it's been around long before the internet. And that, and that myth has been, well, you don't want, you always want to have a mortgage because of the tax advantages. And I say, what? And this is especially true in light of the tax act that happened in 2018. Many of us don't itemize a deduction, but even if you did, here's the scenario. Would you give, Matt, would you give $100 to the bank for your mortgage just so you could avoid giving the IRS $30? No, that doesn't help us get ahead at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're just basically, you're, you're the slave to that lender, and that lender has control over your house. And you, you probably don't want to, to view the home that you live in as an investment, but wouldn't it be great if you lived there rent-free without having to pay income tax? I mean, that's awesome. Pay off your mortgage when, you're, when you get to that point. Um, that's one of the biggest advantages when you come into retirement of you having a, a comfortable and successful retirement is not having a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're 65 and thinking about retiring, that, that's not the time to upgrade your house, yeah. all right? Um, Every, every person's different, but go ahead and pay off that mortgage, and you'll, you'll be happy that you did. Your cash flow ext- gets that much more when you don't have that mortgage payment. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome to have a little extra cash flow. All sorts of things I can do. And plus it gets us to step number nine that much quicker. Once you pay off your mo- home mortgage, you can think about giving back. Yeah, and, and I, I, I want to make sure because we, we have talked before about how it's important to give first in our budget, and I think we sh- still should do that. But when you when you improve your cash flow and you've got all this free cash flow because you don't have bills and you've got excess money every month, why not bless others with what you've been given? Now, I'm not saying give every dollar. I'm not saying that at all. But being completely debt-free frees you up to help others and bless others with the resources that you've been blessed with. But there's, it's more than money. You know, it's not more than money. There's lots of ways to donate either your time, talent, or your treasure. The amount of the time doesn't matter. The important thing is that you're giving back. And, and really, Matt, you, you may well discover that your financial situation improves with generosity because of the joy that you get from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we went very quickly through the nine steps getting you to that financial readiness, financial security, 
kind of like a financial planning one-on-one, 101, helping you develop those financial priorities that should be top of mind. But we hope you were able to glean something from one of those steps. And uh, as always, we want to help you spend life well. So we hope to see you next time on the Spend Life Well podcast. Have a good one.